this will, I mean, for trainers, this is going to help your programming because you can somewhat assess a client and then learn how to program better for them, depending on their rep sets, weight, your lifting intensity, all that stuff, volume. But then also for people out there that are just hitting the gym, you can target the muscle the right way. Why? <laughs> just turn it up. Just turn it up if you want to talk. Why is yours off? Oh, because <laughs> your stomach. <laughs> stomach's growling at us. Yeah, so actually, uh, I'm not going to Ellensburg. Literally just found out. So I woke up at butt fuck early in the morning to work out for nothing. What is butt fuck early? Super early. <laughs> Bro, I was, I was like leaving to the gym almost. I think I got there. I got there at seven because I was waiting on those Yeezys. But like other than that, I was up like super early. I almost said Yeezus because after looking at your cup, <laughs> drop Yeezus on it. But they're supposed to get like two feet of snow tomorrow night. So her so you sister don't get stuck. Yeah, her sister called yeah. us late last night and was like, "Hey, we'll let you guys know in the morning how it looks, but it's already snowing." So Shannon texted me, was like, "No." Well, she lives over there. So her sister and her mom and her nephew now. Little baby nephew. Okay. Um, oh, she's a cop, huh? Right? Yep. Yep. Okay. No, she's a detective. Okay. So she's, dude, she, it's kind of, I can't even imagine this. So she's a detective that works primarily on like child cases. Yeah. So like child rape, child abductions and stuff like that. And then she just had a kid. So it like tears her apart, like seeing that shit, which yeah, is crazy. And then her husband, Greg, is, uh, he's like the Ellensburg sheriff or something like that. Okay. It's crazy. Hmm. Yeah, so like first time we went up there to meet him, she's like, so do you have any problems with the law? And I'm like, I mean, not that I can think of. Why? Oh, they're just, you know, detectives, cops. It's like, no big deal. I'm like, oh, shit. She's just like, no, I'm white. <laughs> of course I'm I don't. What kind of solid. question is that? Yeah. I'm uh, good. But yeah, so we're not going up there now, but I figured like I'd knock it out. So I'm going to take her up to Seattle and shit. So we got some time to knock out some nice. podcasts today. Nice. You know that Ellensburg is one of the most healthiest cities in uh, in Washington. I think it's like number Seriously? three or something like that. Yeah, because that's like the lowest population. That so it just like but <laughs> like takes them out of the so ratio. like how they like and how they take it into account is like it's I forget what categories it is. So one of them is like how you commute to work. So whether you drive or whether you walk, uh, a lot of people walk. A lot of people walk. Um, food sources what? like and then it's like dude, like sixty percent of the people there work that live there probably go to school. Yeah, you know what I mean. So they're walking constantly. Yeah. And then, sense. like, how many parks there are per 10,000 people. And then how many McDonald's there are oh, per wow. 10,000 people. That's literally the, how they judge the healthiest That's cities in America. Up. Right? That's how big of an impact McDonald's has made. If you look at the... I mean, <laughs> it's crazy, huh? Yeah. I, I mean, I hate McDonald's, but, like, their business aspect, like, if you look at the long haul of things, yeah. it's pretty crazy. Yeah. So, I got respect for that. But yeah. I, I think they only have, like, one McDonald's right when you get into the, the town. Yeah, I can't even remember. I've been to Ellens. I fucking hate Ellensburg. Really? To be honest. Yeah. I was actually excited, man. I'm kind of bummed out I'm not going. I mean, one, like, it's nice seeing them, but it literally forces you to do nothing and chill. Right? So, like, I would have to, like, put work away, and there is not shit to do in Ellensburg. Like, literally. So, you're like, okay, I'm going to go there. There's, like, a dope brewery, so we grab some beer, and then... Dude, they got like a like a twelve foot smoker. Like it's crazy. So like just eat good barbecue and just do nothing. Nice. Which I was excited for, you know what I mean? But yeah, I agree. Like as a city, probably not not my biggest yeah. place of choice. So 
let's uh, enough about Ellensburg. Let's get on with it. Uh, this is it's actually interesting because I feel like everything that we do, like we're always like the polar opposite. Like not only uh, skin tone, but uh, just our Why you always got to bring race into everything, man? <laughs> because it makes you so uncomfortable. Bro, there's no cameras, no people around, <laughs> and I still get uncomfortable. That's weird. So, uh, I mean, obviously we've talked about, you know, like nutrition and performance in the past. Today we're going to talk about muscle fibers um, and, you know, flat, fast twitch, slow twitch. And again, um, you know, uh, your, your boy Boom Boom over here is more slow twitch. Um, and I'm more of the fast twitch. So we're just going to break it down, what that means, um, and, and really how to train for your, for your body type, which I think that a lot of people, um, this is, this information is going to give some insight to where you can level up your training. So I'll let you go ahead and yeah. And like, and before anybody like thinks we're going to talk so much science that they're like, I'm going to shut this shit off. Like this will, I mean, for trainers, this is going to help your programming because you can, somewhat assess a client and then learn how to program better for them depending on their rep sets weight your lifting intensity all that stuff volume but then also for people out there that are just hitting the gym you can target the muscle the right way right so everything we're going to do is like when you look at slow twitch you're looking at higher rep training uh, more tension in the muscle longer time under tension so you you're because you have higher reps, you're going to be doing the set for longer. You're probably not lifting as much weights, maybe more total sets and reps, period, right? Fast twitch is going to be explosive work, power work, strength work, lower rep stuff. So um, the best example that I have for this is hamstrings, right? Like we don't train hamstrings in the 15 to 20 rep range like we would lateral raises, right? right? Like if you look at hamstrings, the dudes with the biggest and most developed hamstrings are football players and sprinters. Because they're being explosive for a short distance of time, right? They're not running long. Now, if you look at the quad, which is on the opposite side, it's actually a little bit of both. But if you look at a like an Olympic lifter, they go really low rep. They have monstrous quads, right? right? But if you look at a, a like a ice skater or a cyclist, they got jacked quads yeah. too because it it's pretty much 50-50 there. So everything is kind of either slow twitch or fast twitch or it's straight down the middle. So let's just go like, I think the best way to do this um, because we just kind of write notes and don't really plan is probably to, we'll pick a muscle group. We'll say which category it's in, whether it's in one or both. And then we'll kind of go back and forth on like our favorite ways of training and how you can kind of implement cool. that in your training. So let's start with the traps. Cause that's on the first on our list. Traps is going to be type one, which is slow twitch, um, which means more time under tension, uh, slower reps, higher rep count, um, probably a little bit less weight, which is funny because I know a lot of guys that want that jacked upper back look where is essentially like, like a, a jacked athlete, right? You got a monstrous upper back. When you wear a tank top, your shoulders are just sitting high, but you see them going to the gym and they load the bar up with like 500 pounds right, and, they and do just these start little, shrugging little yeah. mini shrugs, yeah. right? Usually they're, they're guaranteed in a forward head posture so they're going to hurt their neck they're going to get like pain into the back of their skull Uh, but then their traps don't grow and they wonder why they're lifting all this weight right you're probably working your forearms from the grip more than anything when you see which obviously we've learned from mistakes because i'm sure you did that in the past yeah i definitely did um I honestly, I didn't really do too many shrugs. See, I um, felt, see, because I loved the bodybuilding stuff, I fell yeah. into every like stupid way of training. I never from the fell magazines. into that. I, I did like more from the bodybuilding style of things, like, or side of things. I did like curls and like a ton of like tricep extensions and shit right. like that just to get bigger arms. But that's about it. Like, I didn't really do shrugs too much. Like, it's in my program now. Um, if you do it right, like, and it can actually benefit 
um, you know, and, and again, like you, there's gotta be a specific purpose of, of why you're doing it. Right. Um, and right now I'm on a more of like a powerlifting style of program, which I do have, I do have shrugs, um, but it's super controlled, um, big squeeze at the top and make sure that I'm maintaining a good posture. So yeah. it, and that means even going lighter in weight than yeah. what I feel like I can do. Um, so, you know, when you, and we've talked about it in the past, when you incorporate pause reps and eccentrics, um, then you start to get a, a little bit more bang for your buck. But yeah, I never really got into the shrugs. Yeah. And that's funny because arms are like, I didn't even put them on the list because, but they are slow twitch yeah. predominantly. So what you were doing, even though you didn't know it is probably right. And, and that's in most cases like, but I mean, it's pretty obvious with that one. If you do just like the monstrous heavy curl, you're probably going to destroy right. your elbows. So right. it's probably not smart anyway. Uh, but yeah, with the traps, my go-to is always going to be either a chest supported or just a slightly bent forward. It's almost like a shrug pullback, right? Like I don't even like, so we got to look at the scapula in movement patterns and there's, you can elevate and depress it, which is up and down, or you can retract and protract. And if you slightly elevate while retracting back, you'll get your upper mid and low trap. Cause a lot of people just think about their upper trap, right? The trap goes all the way down in between your scap and your shoulder blades. So when I learned that and I started pulling back in that bent hinge position, yep. and I literally went from going, doing hundreds to fifties dude, like my back was lit or going super long distance farmer's walks with a lighter weight. So again, fully elevating and retracting scapula and just slowly walking for like either doing like a 300 yard walk or do three minutes on whatever yeah. you want to do. So those are my, always my go-to, but the main point is pretty simple. Like longer duration, uh, lighter weight, higher reps is probably going to work better for your traps in a controlled manner. Right. You, um, I would, I would say for me, uh would be chin-ups um really yeah, yeah like i can get i can get my i can feel my traps fire more on a chin-up than pretty much any other exercise so some would um, argue that that's improper use of the chin-up because it's such a lat dominant exercise you know right, what i mean right but i think that it's because a lot of people like you'll see them uh like yeah like some guys will get their shoulders back but i think that if you really incorporate like and i like i'll feel my lats like i can pretty much do anything like i can do a fucking <laughs> yeah. push-up and feel my lats right. right if you do it the right way you should yeah um Bench press, but it's that. the same it's the same with the chin up right like when when you pull up and you and you're pinching your shoulder blades back and you're keeping your head in a in a neutral position instead of like leaning forward and getting that forward head posture then your, your, your traps are forced to, to light up. Like yeah. that's just how your Probably body works. More load right? mid trap though. Yeah. Right? So anytime that you do this, like, right. you're going to incorporate your, so the thing is your, too, your is mid and upper back. You got to have a lot of not only strength, but control up there because yeah. you, you kind of almost need to be able to pause at the top of a right. chin up to be able to feel that. But I mean, and, and when I first started training, right, like, you know, we started to load up chin-ups and do weighted chin-ups. But, like, I mean, you probably haven't seen me do, like, a loaded chin-up in a long time. Yeah. Because, like, again, like, at the bottom, like, I'm letting my arms all the way out and then, you know, retracting my shoulders back and then starting from that position. Right. So it's a lot more slow, controlled, more deliberate movement. So, I, I, I mean, like, dude, like, even when, like, if I – if you go on my Instagram and you see videos, like, I have – um you know, pull-ups and chin-up videos on there to where I'm not doing any weight. My shirt's off. Like it, it literally, you can see everything move. And, and that's why I think that it's funny when people say, well, yeah, you're doing it incorrectly. Like, I'm like, okay, well maybe you're doing it incorrectly right. because you're, if you're just like trying to target your lats, like 
and and not really or, or if you're trying to shut off your your uh your mid and upper back like i think that you're doing it wrong yeah. that would be my argument yeah but i mean teach their own but i i think that i get a big bang for my buck um doing doing chin-ups that way also um barbell inverted rows yeah um so i mean they'll light up that way as well so, you know you, you'll feed elevated again like i'm i'm a big fan of pause reps and controlling each rep so i think that's all like like i said mid low trap and that's why a lot of people won't consider those exercises because to get the upper traps you're gonna have to do a somewhat of a an elevating like scapular movement right, right? so some kind of a shrug um and that's why people don't think of that but it's funny because i just did a weighted chin up last week for the first time in fuck i don't even know how long and it felt great but it was funny because i did a 30 pound dumbbell where like i used to do like 70 plus right, right? and i was like doing three to five reps super slow again pausing at top like you said but i think like the issue people have and why people are shrugging into a chin up the wrong way that i see is because like i said they shrug into it and it causes that anterior glide mm -hmm. of the scapula and then they're actually just pro like protracting forward and just hanging on that lat which i think is different than what you're saying like i think when i'm picturing what you're talking about you're getting to the top crushing the bar and then almost like pulling your shoulders back while you're at the top my my biggest cue for that is especially with myself is to squeeze with my pinky and my ring finger because then yeah. if i do that and then like if if i do that like and I have the wrist mobility that will allow me to do it, and that plays a huge role um, in the in the chin up actually. So when you see people who will do it, they'll kind of just do like the hanging grip with like yeah. you know either like they're they're really squeezing with either their um, their index or middle finger, like sometimes incorporating the ring their finger, but yeah. Off. So exactly, and then that's when you start to get the the shoulders to glide yeah. forward. Um, but if you cue that, you know the the pinky and the ring finger. That's forcing everything to to do this, right? So, like, if you think about that with anything, like dumbbell row, uh, cable rows, like if you squeeze with these two fingers here, it's gonna put you into a better position and just um, open up your your chest a little bit more. And that's with every single row. Yeah. Um. So, I mean, what's well, even with like farmers carries, yeah. trap bar deadlifts, yeah. like all that stuff? Yeah. Because we see that all the time. So, since we're talking about chin up so much, let's just skip right down to lats. Lats are, uh, again, one of those like 50-50, which makes a lot of sense because you can get like a lot of people swear by just heavy rows. And a mm -hmm. lot of people are like all about like what we were just talking about, like body weight chin-ups and lat pull-downs where we slow it way down and we contract and we feel the squeeze. And it's funny because that's kind of, I was kind of more on that other side because that's what I've seen work for me. But again, like you said, like I'm more slow twitch dominant, right? And you're more fast twitch. So it kind of goes both ways. But some of the dudes with the biggest lats ever deadlift shit ton of weight yep. like they do heavy rack pulls and they do heavy deadlifts from the floor and that's makes sense because they are halfway like type two fast twitch muscle fibers so number one is going to be start deadlifting heavy yeah. if you want like big lats I so, was, yeah i was just going to say that because my favorite lat exercise would probably be the one that's not a lat exercise right which is which is the deadlift you know technically it's yeah. not a lat exercise yeah. but it is a full body movement but i think like so like if people out there you're not feeling your lats because I, I i've regressed this down for so many people in the past if you're not feeling your lats a lot doing a deadlift start doing uh like resets at the bottom of every single rep right mm -hmm. where you drop the weight like a lot of people focus so much on the eccentric which i actually think is a bad idea on on a on a deadlift unless you're doing like slow negative rdls with like a really light weight but we'll talk about that when we get to hamstrings because 
a lot of people hurt their back around on the way down. They can't control it when the deadlift is predominantly a concentric lift. Right. The goal is to lift it off the floor and then drop it. Right. Yeah. So start practicing it that way. And then if you want to get back into the negatives to like break through a plateau, that makes sense because you will have more stability. But I think the most important thing is if you learn how to do those resets properly, your lats will stay active throughout the deadlift. Right. Right. Rather than losing that tension. So that's going to be my go-to. I mean, um, I do like heavy rows. Um, if I had to say anything for a heavy row for the for the fast switch side of lats, I would go with a T-bar. Yeah. I think that's the – and you can do any type. I actually like the old school Ronnie Coleman style where you like set up the a bar. Bent over, yeah. Yeah, yeah. with like a, like a V-grip handle around yeah. the bar and your landmine or something. Um, and a lot of people actually feel their traps a lot on that. So like my cue is always shrugging too much. Yeah. Like yeah. my cue for a horizontal row for the lats is drag your elbows low, yep. right? If I aim my elbows for like my back pocket, I'm going to like crank on my lower lats. So that's my go-to on that. And obviously we agree for the slow twitch side of things. Um, man, I think like it's changed for me over the years, but I actually like machines like machine work is my favorite. I think the close grip, uh, and I think it's funny because everybody goes right to the wide grip for lats, but I actually get more engagement with the close grip. So you really got to play with this. But I think the close grip, like V handle, lat pull down and yep. like go on 15 to 20 reps and controlling the hell out of it. Like that's my best slow twitch style for that one. I also like uh, like a quadruped um, position, like either cable or, or band resisted row. Um, oh, obviously, the, we don't have cables. Right. Um at vigor so you know we use bands but that's that's been like that moto my row. new favorite yeah 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 the motorcycle row or the just getting into the into the quadruped quadruped position i'm pretty sure that's what they call it right like when you're in a quadruped and you're doing the overhead but you're in that quad so the motorcycle row is more of like a hip hinge position okay so like because i saw that one on t nation and yeah. then um the model row is oh okay okay i don't know why they okay. made them so close but yeah like quadruped row makes yep. a hell of a lot more sense yeah it's funny because like you hear names and you just go with it because you're like, oh, that's the first yeah. place I saw it. But I'm going to start calling it quadro because yeah. it makes way more sense. But um, but I, I do like that one, too. And that one's better, too, for if we're trying to talk about like functional training. Right. Because it's good to put yourself in different positions, whether it's half kneeling, tall kneeling, quadruped, all that shit. So I like that one a lot. So pretty much, guys, like set up a cable or a band in front of you, get in a quadruped position, knees on the floor, and then just do like an overhead row, but you're in that quadruped position. That one's really good. So I think that, I mean, just to add a little bit to that, because, you know, I see some people who will set up with it, and like when they do set up and their arm is all the way out, that there will be some slack in the band. Obviously, if you have a cable, I mean, you're really not going to have slack. Right. But if you're using a band... Get that far to, enough away. To, yeah, to get far enough away to where there's tension... Constantly. Know, constantly, yeah. yeah. I see that a lot. Um, I actually, I, I would say that with every type of band resisted training, to be honest with you, I think yep. it's, but that's like the purpose of cable training, right? And band resisted training is kind of like an implication of the cable where the whole purpose and benefit of it is the constant resistance. Right. Curve. All right. So we skipped forward. So let's go to shoulders. Shoulders again, just like lats are going to be both ways. So let's start with fast twitch. Cause I think that's the easiest overhead press. Yep. Like everybody should be overhead pressing. If you don't have shoulder issues in like the three to six rep range, in my yeah. opinion, yeah. there's no point in going less than three. I think like one rep maxing on a, on a, unless you For like most people, if you're a competitor, then right, it's relevant. that makes sense. Yeah. But I think like it, like if you don't have a specific goal to lift as much weight as possible for one rep overhead and a reason to do it, then I think it's pointless. Right. Um, cause you'll get just as much benefit from a strength and hypertrophy perspective from doing three reps as you would one, probably more hypertrophy just cause it's more volume. Yeah. So like save yourself because so many people hyperextend and start flaring the rib cage when they do that. But, um, I even don't, I rarely go below five to be honest with you 
unless I'm like like testing something, yeah. right? Um, but definitely overhead press or like a heavy push press and then control the negative. I think those are going to be See, that's, that's one of my favorite pressing exercises. And the reason I do go, you know, one rep or try to go as heavy as I can um, is because I'm, I mean, I've always just been an athlete my entire life. So, and, and that's just the way that Competitive my mind nature. works. Yeah. So I just try to really just it. compete with myself. Yeah. yeah. I started doing like, uh, AMRAPs like I'm trying to like that's how I like compete against myself like I take a percentage of something and then I'm like I'm just gonna max out as many as I can so like you know like in another eight weeks from now I'll do it again and then another way eight weeks and then you kind of see where you're at I'll do it with like anywhere from like 60 to 70 percent um and just try to get in as many reps as I can usually I don't do it with the push press though I'll I'll do I'll do a strict press yeah definitely for those um, so definitely that's like going to be your big bang for your buck with the heavy, the fast twitch type two. Um, I didn't look at the exact percentage cause we got to remember too. Some of these are like, like I want to say the shoulders said it was, it was 60% slow twitch, which means it's more than half slow twitch, but it's still going to get like a lot of benefit from heavy lifting. Yeah. So on the slow twitch side, which is going to be the dominance of your training, we're going to look at lower reps, high, or I mean, sorry, lower weight, higher reps, um, and a lot of tension. And, and I've heard that so many times from like big names where it's like, I've, they've found like, and I don't think they're steady. Well, unless they're slow twitch, fast twitch studies, but a lot of experience says that just time under tension is great with the shoulders. That's yeah. why there's a lot of like different shoulder complexes. Right. So on this one, um, I go back and forth with, favorite because i have so there's so many different like lateral raise complexes from like christian Dude, you, do, and you do like joe defranco you do just as much shoulders as you do biceps i feel like yeah I mean, oh like, definitely My, not so nine like, days a week this guy, <laughs> this guy does shoulders and biceps uh, no i think uh so like i do so let's see i train arms three days a week definitely because they're lower reps so i do like i was doing two days where I go like one day is like six to eight rep range. So I do go a little bit heavier one day is higher rep. And then one day is blood flow, Mm -hmm. which honestly is giving me the best result for growing my arms. But with shoulders, I do twice a week, but you're right, dude. I I never leave upper body day without shoulders. Like I want to grow those fuckers. Or lower, lower body day. (laughs) (laughs) Throw them in there, man. I don't need to squat. Let's just do some raises. All good. No. So like, I think, uh, I don't want to pick a complex because like there was that one where it was, Christian Thibodeau did it where it was like it was a Cuban press to something else, which is a dope one. But it, I feel like the Cuban press has a lot of trap as well. Right. So if we're talking strictly deltoids, I'm probably going to go with um, the lean away cable lateral raise. And you go super light and you go like 15 to 20 reps. So if you like hang from the rack and actually lean away from the cable, the way your clavicles angled takes the trap engagement out of it. So it helps just isolate the, cause a lot of people mm. go halfway up on that raise and yeah. they just shrug. Yeah. So if you really want to isolate your shoulders, lean away from the bench. If you're doing dumbbells, lean away from the cable. If you're doing cable and then just do like slow tempo lateral raises. And I, dude, I use like 10 pounds. So I see guys with like 30 pound dumbbells swinging it up there. It's like slow it down and control the movement. But that's definitely gonna be my go-to. Um, for me, I think that I get the biggest bang for my buck from the uh, the Arnold press. Ah, um, uh, yeah, that's a good so one. So because I mean, you're you're gonna hit. I mean, both the front and and the back of the shoulder. Um, I mean, I think that if you do it correctly, yeah. Um, and going like super. I mean, I mean not super lightweight, but a, you know a moderate a moderate weight that you could do anywhere from eight to twelve reps. That's that's what I'm gonna do, and I'm gonna shoot for the higher rep range yeah. when I do do those. Yeah, um, it's good because there's just like there's not a point like it's hard to get 
consistent tension with dumbbells. And that's why I said the cable, because like with dumbbells, usually there's a strength curve, right? Like it's tension, 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 and then you get a second break. But with right. Arnold presses, because you rotate in front of you, yeah. it's just nonstop, yeah. which I like those lines. You know, it's dope. Like, this is why I respect like guys like Frank Colombo and Arnold Schwarzenegger and stuff. Cause back then they didn't have dudes in a lab that were like right. putting like right. electrodes. They had to go based off of feel. Bro, they were literally yeah. going like, wow, if I come into the front, yeah. rotate into the front, I can feel my rear delts as well when I, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's crazy. Yeah. But that's just being like so in tune and like self-aware and, and really like just focused on what you got to do. Like those guys were just in the gym yeah. forever. And then that's what they were thinking about when they were going home, you know? Yeah. And then it's like, okay, well, when I do this, like they were just thinking about how their body moves. Like, and that's again, like they were just super in tune. So it's like, okay, well, if I incorporate this into this exercise, right. then you know what I mean? Like that's one of actually one of my favorite documentaries is pumping iron yeah, just dude. because of like, you can see how their mind work and like, Again, like they didn't have these universities doing studies and they, you know, EKG tests and it all that probably stuff. probably like, made like the hobby of lifting that much more exciting, yeah. to be honest with you, because you had more discovery. It wasn't like, oh, like you're in the gym. You're like, oh, I wonder if I did this. Let me just Google it real right. quick. And then you have right. the answer. It's like you got to like play and like yeah. experiment with your own body. And, and that's kind of like we're going to talk about how to figure out if you're predominantly slow twitch or fast twitch, because I know we're saying like. The best way to go is to like listen to what we're saying and going, oh, okay, so traps are slow twitch. We're going to do higher reps. We're going to do lower weight, and we're going to focus on tension. But you can still incorporate both, and, and there's, a, there's, a, there's a curve of the rep range, right? So I might get better results for my traps if I do 20 reps with a lighter weight and more tension, where Theo might get better with 12 reps, right? We're both still in that higher rep range for hypertrophy, but because I'm a predominantly slow twitch muscle fiber person, I'm going to get better result from that 20 rep, right? Versus he's more fast twitch dominant. So he's going to get better result from that higher end of the spectrum or lower end of the spectrum. So, and we'll talk about that in a sec, but I think the first key to doing that is like what we were just talking about, becoming aware with your body, right? Yep. If you do a new exercise, let's say you hit the glute ham raise for the first time and you only get five reps, but the next few days, your hamstrings are lit. Well, you know that that's like a good example of what you need to be doing. And, right. and soreness isn't always a gauge to tell you that you're growing muscle and I don't think people should strive for soreness but it is a good gauge of you are progressing you are doing something different or you're and challenging you, your you're, muscle fibers. yeah exactly yeah. And, and we can't say like a lot of people say that you shouldn't be sore and I personally think that's bullshit because if you're sore you're disturbing the body you're yeah. doing something that's going to cause your body to recover and rebuild tissue and that's how we grow. So like how can you, and there's no studies to prove it unfortunately, but there was this talk by uh, Dr. Mike Israel and that dude just like he said the exact same thing, but he like went off of all these examples and different studies and like from that point on I was like okay, it, it does make a little bit of sense to get sore because sometimes you get worried, right? Like clients are like, dude, I'm, my glutes are freaking killing me and it's like, shit, did we go too hard? But then like sometimes that's okay. See, I've I've never been worried about that even with the, you know, I think the myth of, you know, like being sore is, is bad. Like right. I, I was never worried about it. Um, and it wasn't just because like, I was just trying to beat people up. It's because that I knew that these people were recovering. Right. Yeah. And then, you know, we just adjust accordingly. Like, okay, well, instead of doing high intensity cardio, like just go on a walk, yeah. right? do something to move or do some mobility. Right. Like, and so when that recovery period gets to you know, two, three days, like you're good. And, and, and I talked about this uh, w while you were in New York, um, you know, about how long you should be sore for and when is it bad and when is it, you know, when is it good? Like when you start going like, you know, five, six, seven days of just constantly being sore right. and you're sore from week to week, that's when you're doing more damage than, than you're 
then you're letting your body rebuild itself, yeah. right? So it's it's more detrimental than it is good. But you know, if you're if you're getting in, you know, two three days and you're sore, and then usually like week two, week three, it it tapers off, and you might be tight, but you might not be, you know, as yeah. sore. Um, I mean, that's that's cool. Yeah, right? like, and I think like it's okay <laughs> to train sore, and I think it's okay to be sore. But the best way to look at recovery and if you're doing it right is like your central nervous system because if you're super fatigued you're not sleeping like do a grip test like if you can't hold onto a weight tight that you usually do or you have like a like actual grip test machine um or your just energy is down like you had the same nutrition you had a good amount of sleep but you go into the gym you're just not feeling it that's a better sign like i don't care if you're sore or not sore like if you're fatigued like that then i think that you need to deload and that's a better sign Right. right versus versus the sore but Obviously, we're going on a little tangent there. Um, so let's go back down to the list. Next is chest. And I like this one because chest and pecs is actually extremely fast twitch type 2 dominant fibers. Now, if you look at anybody who has a, a really big bench press, they likely have a jack chest. And that's pretty common unless they're doing their bench wrong and like not necessarily wrong, but they're more of a shoulder dominant bencher. But either way, they're still going to hit their chest and they likely have a pretty big chest. Power lifters have a huge chest. There's a reason for that, right? And I don't really like, and I'm glad it makes me, it made me like when I looked up all this stuff and just for a reassurance, it made me happy because I really don't program any chest exercises over 12 reps, like very, very rarely, unless it's like a drop set. And then it's more of an AMRAP and it's like a percentage. And if they get 15 to 20, I'm like, yo, you need to up the weight next time because you obviously crushed that. So lower reps heavier weight is going to be better for your your chest um now lower reps don't need to be too low i still see some merit in going to the eight rep range um i just don't see much merit in going heavier than that and actually you know what most injuries happen when you go past that yeah especially with the barbell so i think it's pretty obvious the best the best exercise to go heavy and build your chest is going to be the bench barbell bench but the only argument i would have is like maybe using a neutral bench or they have those have you seen those angled bench handles oh yeah i don't know what those are called but those are sick i want one of those bad but the angled grip the neutral grip those are going to be good dumbbell heavy dumbbell pressing is really good too i actually prefer to do the majority of my pressing with dumbbell neutral bar or um like alternating presses things like that just because it saves my shoulders in the long run but i do think like as far as building your bench or your chest is going to be bench yeah agree yeah I, I would agree and it's it's funny because you talked about power lifters and, and how their chest is jacked but like if you look at like how they bench there's a lot of guys in the functional training realm who shit on power lifters for how they bench right how their back comes up off yeah. the ground and uh it's 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 funny because when you when you get yourself into a position like that uh it um what are the, the words that I'm looking for? And we've talked about this in the past where like there was that study, right? So yeah. their, their chest is just so developed because they're, they're at that. And it's like a decline. Yeah. Yeah. Bench, they're right? arched. Right. So like when you're in that, they did, I always lose the words, electrodes or uh, EMT or something like that. Uh, EKG. EKG. Yeah. We got to look this up because every time yeah. we go to say it, I swear we fuck it up or maybe it's just me. Um, when they did that, they did the test they had more like activation through uh, fibers in the entire pec right. region. So you hit more of your chest by being in a decline position, which is funny because a lot of people shit on it because you can do more weight on a decline bench or because powerlifters hyperextend to get into that position. But now you look at it and it's like, actually, that's pretty freaking smart. Yeah. Like it makes sense. Um, and I've actually incorporated like decline dumbbell presses into some of my clients programs because of that. Yeah. And I'm like, well, fuck, I mean, if it works, it works. Right. And I think that's like the whole thing too, is like, 
people are going always going to argue about science, but that's what science is. There's always like a, a flaw with every study and there's always a study to counter that study. So people are always going to argue. So my suggestion is, is always to look at science and then go to experience. If right. you know a bunch of right. dudes that bench in the three to six rep range and they have massive chests, you should probably start doing that. Right. It's the yeah. same thing. If you want to be rich, hang out with rich guys. Yeah. Like it's the same exact principle. So bench press is definitely going to do that. Um, down the list, we got low back. So a lot of people actually don't train their low back. Um, and I think I'm kind of mixed on this because I did it. I definitely did it wrong in the past because you see people doing hyper extensions or, or back extensions and they're holding like a 45 pound plate and they're trying to do like reps, right? Dude, yeah. And they're going heavy as they can. Well, the low back is slow twitch guys it's type one so you should probably go lighter and you should focus on more tension so what i do and i actually still incorporate uh back extensions into my program like mm -hmm. actual back extensions not the glute dominant ones well they kind of become glute dominant because i'm just driving my hips in the pad but i do body weight and i do like 15 to 20 reps and i go really slow i pause the top pull my rib cage down i feel my low back working but the next day it doesn't hurt I so, think that's a big key. So I've been doing I've been doing that a lot as well, and I've had my clients all over the back extensions, uh, especially lately. And the way that I've cued it is to be a little bit more, you know, more glute and hamstring dominant, right? Like I don't want somebody's lower back to be necessarily on fire or to get into too much, um, you know, extension. Uh, extension. Um, so what I've been what I've been cueing is literally for like I say, you know, okay, well. I'm always telling you proud chest and, you know, to have good posture when you, you know, do all these other lifts, right? This is the only one that I'm yeah, going to tell you where you're going to have a yeah. fucked up posture, right? Or you're going to be Hunch rounded over, or yeah. think like hunchback. So then, you know, it becomes more hip dominant versus somebody who's trying to get super proud and, and extend up. And uh, so again, like I, I'm not a big fan of, of loading it up. Um, if I'm, if I want to, incorporate a little bit more uh a little bit more load i might have somebody do band resisted like reverse hypers or something like that but right. but um, even then your glutes and hamstrings are taking the dominance and in, in strengthening the lift your low back is really just there to assist right, right? and that's all we want to do because in in a normal situation where you hurt your back or like you're picking something off the floor and you hurt your back Usually that movement should be predominantly your hamstrings, your glutes, your arms for bracing, your core, right? Your low back is just there to stabilize, right. to make sure that you don't get really hurt. Yeah. So I think that's important. Um, so yeah, low back, I don't think you should train it very often. I don't think you should train it too much. But if you do, go light, focus on tension, focus on just stability and everything around it. So it just activates a little bit. All right, next one is hamstrings. Hamstrings, um, we kind of already talked about this a little bit, but pretty obvious that well at least to probably the trainers out there that it's a it's a type two it's a fast twitch um you're gonna get your biggest bang for your buck from going heavy uh or doing explosive movements so that's why a lot of uh, sprinters have massive hamstrings because they sprint that's a short duration power movement um or even like explosive cleans like things like that uh but definitely heavy deadlifts is probably going to be the go-to yeah. ham raises are monstrous which is really usually only a bodyweight movement but you're really not going in that high rep range because the the strength curve and tension is just so crazy yeah. i probably go eight reps tops I go on six that. to eight reps yeah um so that i which my favorite exercise lately has actually been the stiff leg deadlift so 
I, I teach my clients to do a conventional deadlift up. So they're just, so just to keep safe. Right. And then as they get to the top, they pause where they squeeze their glutes, get tight lats. And they're, they're really not going super heavy on this. And then they control the negative with high hips for like five plus seconds And stiff leg doesn't mean your knees are locked out. So don't do that, but your knees do bend, but your hips are way higher and it's really hamstring dominant. And I literally just have them control it down as slow yep. as possible. Yep. And I stay, usually it's like six reps, eight tops, but usually people, I have people doing like five to six sets of six reps. And I'm a big fan of, of eccentrics. And I think that this is probably the most important. If I was to pick one, one body part that I really want you to focus on doing eccentric training, it's the hamstring. Yeah. And this is because this is where most injuries happen when people tear their hamstrings or even, uh, uh, ACLs or knee injuries, yeah. right? It's because they, they can't control the deceleration phase, whether you're coming down from a jump or slowing down on the sprint. This is where, this is where injury occurs. So, and again, like, you know, I'm always going to start off with, with a lighter weight and I want people to build up, but I mean, we're talking like three to five seconds down and getting like a, a, a big stretch and not even, I don't really, I haven't incorporated too many stiff leg deadlifts. Um, I think that getting somebody to just do the regular RDL, um, you know, in its, uh, you know, keeping the foot flat and, and reaching a little bit, uh, back with the hips a little bit more, because I think of how somebody is going to slow down or should slow down, right? They're right. Gonna, they're pretty much getting into that hip hinge position yep. or that athletic stance, right? Like if they've been trained or if they just naturally do it. So if if I can get them in that position and I can get them to control that, um, that's going to be a significant risk and or a significant, um, you know, uh, uh, reduce the risk in in injury, right? So that's what that's really what my target is. Um, and I, I think mean, it, it depends, right? Like if because predominantly who I train, people aren't sprinting very often. Right. But because I do agree. Um, in the people I do the stiff leg deadlifts, it's cosmetic. Right. It's like I want to look good. I want right. to have like strong tone, muscular legs, whatever your goal is. So I target that. But I do agree. And I always start everybody with the RDL. Um, and even that, like even just a high hip RDL to me is a stiff leg deadlift. I think a lot of people mistake the stiff leg deadlift and, and they almost lock out their knees or they do right, the concentric right, in right. that position, which I never do. I teach everybody like concentric up cause yeah. I do agree with you, but, um, huge for like athletes, like mastering that negative on the RDL. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. And then you're targeting a lot of glutes too. If you don't do your hips too high, which is yeah. good. Or if general population and like, I mean, we got a lot of people who play, you know, co-ed sports now, True. or, you know, so adult league, even, even though they're not necessarily trying to win a championship and they're just out there for fun, they're it's, it's going to be more fun. Yeah. If yeah. they're not hurt. Oh yeah. So, um, but like with the cosmetic side, like, I mean, I'm, I'm sure you've seen it recently where I've started elevating people's heels. Yeah. Um, so to get a little bit more deep, um, and, and to bring the lower back out of, yeah. out of, uh, the equation. So. so like, that's what I'll do on my, uh, squad days, right? Like I'll do squat. And then my assistant, my next assistant exercise is a high hip RDL yep. because my other day I'm doing deadlifts. Right. And that's, I just keep my weightlifting shoes on and like the stretch is just crazy big on that. So yep. I, I totally agree. Next we got glutes. So glutes are actually slow twitch. So, and it makes sense because nobody really gets, massive glutes from deadlifting or squatting in the one to five rep range and and people who squat and say that they got a, a big ass from squatting i think personally i think one of two things one genetically you got a big ass that's what it is or two you're probably doing assistant work like lunges and rdls and right. squats in the really high rep range because if you're squatting really heavy i know you're doing 
good programming and I know you're training well. Right. So right. guarantee they're doing high rep squats and stuff like that. Um, or they're just genetically gifted and they just grow really quick, yeah. right? So, um, but those are usually the most common things. So the best way to train your glutes is going to be higher reps, um, not necessarily low weight because I think it, there's still merit to going heavy on them, but and because that's the create, biggest muscle in your body, right? Too. And that can create more tension. Yeah. And, and then if we're talking about fat loss, like going heavy on the glutes is actually really smart because obviously we're going to burn a lot of energy doing so. And then, but one of my favorite things to do is work up to a heavy weight and then do drop sets on the hip thrust. Like I love doing that or just doing like a, a big, and I've seen you do this too, where we're just doing drop set after drop set, right? You just hit anywhere between eight to 20 reps, peel weight, eight to 20 reps, peel weight. Dude, and it, just keep it is so demanding. Like I've, I've oh, had crazy. like, I've had a few people almost vomit from Dude, doing drop crazy. sets on the hip thrust. What would you call it? Cheeks on fleek? Dude, cheeks on fleek finisher. Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> so like glutes are going to be, um, High rep. I like, I mean, hip thrust is just going to be the best thing. Like science proved it. They did the the studies on that and it just, it gets the most reading yeah. out of your glutes. I think it's yeah. obvious. Some guys hate it, but yeah. So especially if you have like a hip thrust, I don't even, is that because it's not a, a hip thruster? Yeah. The hip thruster. Yeah. So it's like a rack for hip thrusting. Right, right. Um, especially if you have that, but let's, uh, since, since there's a million variations to do it, let's pick one that is our favorite for the glutes. Hip thrust. I mean, like a variation. A oh, oh, yeah, okay, you got to okay. pick something. Or like Cheeks on Fleek or something like that. But I think the thing with Cheeks on Fleek is we, we're talking about recovery. It is demanding. You can't do that once a week and expect to just right. be like keep cranking it out. And if you do that once a week, after three weeks, you're going to have to take it out for a while, right? right. It's just like chains on, on a bench press. Like you're not going to see gains forever on that. You got to implement it in for a week or two and then take it out and bring it back in later yeah. down the road. So I think mine would have to be, uh, other than that, and this is... I mean, it's going to seem like really girly. And I know that like guys walk past this machine all the time at uh, like a big box gym and just start laughing and just think that it's a bitch exercise, but hip, uh, abduction. hip abduction. Bro, I used that twice a week for a while um, when I was recovering my back. And then I still do it once a week now, high rep range. Yeah. Um, I do like three sets of 20 with just a long pause at the top. Like my sets are like 30 to 45 seconds. Dude, it takes me a minute, but I, I love that one. That one helped my squat a lot because... And like when we think about like ripping the floor or, or corkscrewing the yeah. floor out on a squat, like Creating that's a lot tension, of glute yeah. medius, right? Yeah. So if you do want to get bigger glutes from squatting, like you probably should work on, on that abduction in your hips. So that helped my squat a lot without getting my low back active. Yeah. So I agree. I like that one a lot. I think that's good. Um, I would probably go with uh, hip thrust plus abduction. Yeah. So I like the body weight hip thrust with a band around your knee drive to the top and then slowly abduct at the top um, while your hips are locked out, which is actually really hard to do because when you try to abduct that you're band, not going to get a lot of range of motion no and, and your hips want to shoot down as yeah. soon as you start ripping out so i see a lot of people try to get a lot of range of motion and then they just unlock their hips yeah. their hips go down i'm like yeah. you have to keep extended yeah. so if you try that go to the top keep your hips completely locked out and slowly rip it out and i'm going to say it's going to be like a, a range of like one maybe three inches like max yeah when you when yeah. you do that without losing you know the integrity of yeah. the hips and the most i've ever programmed for that is like 12 to 15 reps yeah. And some people don't even get that, but we got to remember time under tension is a factor too. So because it's a slower movement that it's equivalent to doing 20 squats because it takes time to right. do it. Right. So speaking of squats, we got quads next. So quads are uh, another one that are 50, 50. And that's why, um, so slow twitch, like you see a lot of bodybuilders that do high, like quads develop well from like 20 to 30 rep range and doing a squat or a leg press in the 25 to 30 reps is fucking like 
horrible. Like I've only done it a few times cause I avoid it. Like I hate it so much, but it works really well. Another good one is like sled pulls cause it's a lot of tension. Superset that with squats is really good. Um, so a lot of stuff. So, but you can look at athletes again, right? So Olympic lifters and, and, and athletes like, uh, not really basketball players, but I would say uh, football players that are sprinting and jumping and, and being explosive, especially sprinters. Um, they all, and Olympic lifters that squat in the heavy one to three rep range, they all have monstrous quads versus slow twitch. Like surprisingly skaters, ice skaters have massive quads. Um, so, oh, do, yeah, yeah, so yeah. do cyclists, yeah, right? Cyclists um, have the biggest quads. Yeah. And, it, and it's because of time under tension. Your yeah. quads are just nonstop. Like go on an assault bike and do like intervals on that. Like my cardio right now is like a, a mix between uh, low intensity and high intensity. And I'll do like 30 seconds on two to three minutes off because I want to crank it up for 30 seconds or fucking rowers or rowers. Yeah. Like, oh my God. I saw this guy You're- at fucking Lululemon. Like he's like, uh, he's probably like Norwegian or some shit. He's like, he's probably like six, six, like two fifty. And somebody was like, dude, like, you're the biggest dude I've ever seen. Like, you know, are you a bodybuilder? Like, thought he was, like, a a professional. Yeah, he was, like, a real crew. (laughs) He's just fucking big Dude, like, you think about it. And it's funny because that's what I did for my finisher today before we started this podcast. Like, you you essentially are doing a squat over and over and over (laughs) again, right? And you drive your feet through that pad. Likely, you're driving through your toes, which is almost like a sissy squat. So, your quads get hit way more than anything else. Um, So, yeah, definitely. So, it goes both ways. Um, I think for fast twitch side, I mean... It's hard to say because, like, I, I would say heavy squats, but to be honest with you, I almost prefer and like programming heavy Bulgarian sports yep. squats better because it's safer. And like, I can do I can do six reps, let's say, with a Bulgarian split, split squat with 100 pound dumbbells in each hand, and that's 200 pounds on like one quad. Yeah. If I do a 200 pound squat, that's the same load on my spine, but it's half the load on each quad. And if I up, if I times it by two i'm risking the injury right yeah. like through the roof yeah. so like from a longevity standpoint bulgarian split yeah. squats just to save in coming from someone who has a lot of low back issues i personally like heavy bulgarian split squats or you can go barbell with them too but i think loading that up heavy is good that um i, I mean i'm still a big fan of of box squats for that i mean i feel like that's so much glute though too because you have to sit back into it so much yeah. What I about mean, front squats though? Yeah. Front, front squats, squats just murder yeah. your quads. I mean, yeah. that's a quad dominant squat. I would choose that for well, you can't go super heavy though. Quads are a hard one to choose for fast twitch. I mean, I think that when I was jumping my highest, I was doing you know, I was doing box squats and my quads were my quads were really the biggest. Yeah. Um, I think that stance plays a lot. I, I've been playing around with the close stance squat lately. Um, I as like well. that too. Yeah, that's fucking, that's gnarly on yeah. the on the quads. I think that's a good one. I just I know for me and a lot of people that I work with, the box squat ends up being a more glute dominant squat because I have to reach back so far and sit back into it. It it does make sense that you would jump higher though. I mean, obviously that's it implicates a jump way yeah. more. Nobody goes ass to grass yeah. when you go jump on a court. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna go heavy Bulgarians on that one, and then on uh, slow twitch. I would almost go like light Bulgarians to be honest with you, but <laughs> Bulgarians are Bulgarians. Dude, they're the great. Uh, I, I, I like the close stance squat. I've been doing that a lot lately. Um, but I actually do. I love leg extensions. Like if you do them right, like I go light and I do like lately I, I've been doing uh, sets of 15 and I'll do a five second ISO hold at the top of every fifth rep. 
So the tension is just crazy. But if you do like a controlled manner at leg extension, you pause at the top, closer stance, and you actually contract your quads at the top, I think that's a great way to isolate your quads for a really high rep range. And if you do low weight, it's really not damaging any joints or any – like it's not bad at all. Right. Obviously, that comes after all my other stuff, but I'm kind of stuck between those two. Not me. You I never do. I never do leg extensions. I know. So what's your <laughs> slow twitch? Uh, Cause I, n- I never really go too high rep on uh, maybe like 10, 12 reps on Bulgarians. Some people I've done like two sets of 20, 25 reps per yep. side. Um, I'm just going to say close stance or I mean, like I, I usually just do it for higher reps when I do that with like a kettlebell or something close like that. Close stance. Yeah. Yep. 20, 25 reps. So, which your confusion right there is actually good leading in the next point because we're going to talk about how to tell which is what. So the importance is simple. Like if it is a slow twitch fiber, dominant muscle, you're going to get more growth, probably more damage, more strength, more everything, more benefit from doing higher rep, lower weight. But some people are more dominant than others. Like he said, like I do high rep quad training all the time. Theo barely ever does it, right? Because he's more type two and I'm more type one. Now, I've never done this test that shows you it's it's not like a, a for sure, but it's kind of like an estimate of what you're predominantly uh, based off of. But it makes sense just based off of my training and your training and, and your history as like an athlete. And, and even the sport I did is, is soccer, right? Like you're just nonstop running. Mm-hmm. It makes more sense. Whereas like basketball is a little bit more explosive. Um, so what you want to do is you're going to take your one rep max for a lift. You're going to take 80% of that weight and you're going to do it as many reps as you can. If you can do eight or less reps, you're predominantly fast twitch person or in that muscle group, mainly person, because we just laid out exactly how to look at each muscle group. If you do more than eight reps, you're predominantly slow twitch. And now that I think about this actually makes a lot of sense for me because I remember lifting with Jay Wong back in the day and he's a strong dude. He's predominantly fast, twitch. I would say he's pretty explosive. Like, we were doing uh, bench press and he smashed my one rep max like by a lot. And then we loaded like 135 or like 155, like something not crazy at all. And I like doubled his rep count like crazy. And it didn't make sense to me at the time because this is years ago. But now it makes a lot more sense because I am slow twitch dominant. Right. I can rep out 135 all day like versus he can crush my one rep max, which is a good sign. So if you have experience thinking about that stuff in the past, like look back and see what you're better at. Um, but... I was also reading some stuff on this the other night where like if you have always trained in the high rep range and that's all you do, you might have just kind of changed your genetics. So it's not to say that you can't change or you can't disturb the body and get better improvements by switching. So I know for me, like right now, I'm switching everything to a lower rep range just because my focus is strength and I'm probably going to see some good gains from it because Mm -hmm. like I've predominantly slow twitch. So I'm challenging status quo. I'm challenging my homeostasis. So that's another way to look at this. So it's not to say like, oh, I'm predominantly slow twitch. I should probably do all slow twitch training. It's more like, oh, this is what I'm good at. Let me fix my weakness, which is probably going to be the best way to go. I agree. But I think for programming wise, going back to all the muscles we just talked about, like look at your program. Like, okay, I have RDLs in here for 15 reps. Okay, let's scratch that. Add a negative. Go heavy. Do six reps. Makes a lot more sense. Yeah. I think that's pretty much a wrap on that one. That's it. This podcast is sponsored by Vigor Ground Fitness and Performance. 
Whether you live in the Seattle area or not, click the link below and find an opportunity to transform your body in 12 weeks or less where you get more structure, more access, more accountability, and a follow along program that can give you the results to take you from point A to point B. Once again, click the link below to discover how you can do that.